good morning. If you haven't noticed, I'm not Bobby. <laughs> I promise I didn't pay him to do that. Let me get set up here. You like this? I mean, I don't know if you've noticed the last couple of weeks, you know, Bobby's been sporting his big hello somebody watch. He even managed to work in Justin Bieber into a sermon last week. I mean, come on. So I figured, how do you follow that? Flavor Flav. I mean, hey. When the last time you heard a sermon with Flavor Flav in there anywhere, huh? And needless to say, this puts the, you know, hello somebody watch just a shame. I mean, come on. Come on. I tried to get it on my wrist, but I hurt myself, so. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Rusty. I'm one of the pastors here. This isn't going to work. I'm going to hurt myself again. Uh, one of the pastors here. And I also teach at Oak Ridge High School. Uh, teach wellness, which is basically a health class. Uh, so I literally spend half my time at school talking to teenagers about drinking drugs and sex. I love my job. Uh, I'm also an assistant athletic director, which is also a pretty sweet gig because they pay me to go to ball games. <laughs> Life is good. Uh, but in my health class, my wellness class, uh, or just overall in general, I believe in being very open and honest. And in my health class, one of the things I let students do is ask me anything about anything, which can get exciting. <laughs> it's, seriously, it's one of my favorite days in class, or when, when we have these open forums where they can ask anything about anything, and I try to give them an answer. Uh, but leading up to that, I give them some information about me, just background information. You know, I always loved it when I was in school. I knew something more about the teachers, and I just felt more at ease and felt like I could do better. And so I'm giving them some background information. And this is generally in the first couple of days of class or whatever. And I get to going and talking about different stuff. And, and one of the things I bring up is that I'm a pastor. It's interesting when I say that. About 25% of the kids, you can almost tell a lot of times which ones are, are really Christians and, and really uh, sold out because you see them sort of look up and, and their eyes brighten a little bit like, really? That's only about 25% of them. There's about another 40% that there's just nothing. I mean, it's just, you know, you could have told them I was the Pope or I could have told them, you know, I was an orangutan, and they wouldn't have mattered. It was just whatever. But that other 35% looks like you just hit them in the face. Eyes will cut. Heads will go down. They'll look away. Get that little huffy breath. You know what I'm talking about? Instantly. Now, some of you have been in something similar. I mean... Let's face it, how many of you have been in a situation where uh, you, you meet somebody new or you know, you're getting to know them and you're talking for a while and things are going good and then all of a sudden you mention the fact that you're a Christian or you ask them where they go to church or something like that? Mood killer. To the point that a lot of times we just, you know, if the conversation's going good, we just don't bring that up right now. We don't want it to be a mood killer, so let's just, we'll just ease on by. 
Why is that? Why is it such a just a just a stomp on the whole situation, just change everything type deal? It's because the truth of the matter is, if we get real honest about stuff, just the mere thought of any type of religion makes a lot of people sick. They just want to hear it. Uh, there's nothing good about it in their mind. Nothing good springs to mind. They don't feel good about it. They don't want to hear about it. It's all bad memories or bad thoughts. I get that. I get that. People don't like religious people. Me neither. Me neither. Most pastors I know don't like religious people. I'm not talking about people of faith. I'm talking about people of religion. Where religion trumps faith. I don't like being around them. I just don't. Uh, today we're going to finish up the series, Losing My Religion. And today's, uh, if you're taking notes and you need a title, it's, it's Toxic Religion. Okay. Let's start out by defining toxic. Okay. Uh, definition for toxic would be anything containing poisonous material capable of causing serious sickness or even death. Mm. Okay, so let's take it a step further. Let's go toxic religion. Anything of a religious nature that's capable of causing serious sickness or even death. Now, the, the first thought there, ooh, 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 about made Bobby's day. <laughs> <laughs> Step away from the ledge. Uh, uh, that was almost toxic right there, wasn't it? Well, we think, well, you really can't cause death. Well, you have spiritual death. And if you want to get right down to it, we can play a little history game and go back over the centuries and see how many people have died in the name of religion. And not like that stopped today. A lot of people really, really get sickened by religion. And if let's, let's check this out. This was interesting, or to me anyway. If you check out, and there's, some, there's a little bit of controversy here. Some scholars have some different opinions. But one of, the, one of the prevalent opinions is, if you go back to the root word of religion, where did religion come from? It comes from the Latin word legare. <laughs> legare means... To bind, to bind or to tie. You throw the word, the, the prefix re, re ligare. The prefix re means back. To tie back, to bind back, to tie down or to tie back. Even the root of the word religion stems out of, of bondage and holding down. Christ didn't come to hold us down. Christ came to set us free the difference in Christianity and religion. Okay? Big, big difference. But a lot of people feel that way. They feel that tied down, bound down, tied back. Anytime you talk about religion, that's what they feel. Let's check out what the Bible says. A really good example of toxic religion. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn it over to Galatians. I'm going to go to Galatians 1, verses 6 and 7. Uh, we have Bibles out on the table. If, if you want those, they're, they're free for your taking. If you don't have one, grab one today and uh, you're more than welcome to those. 
Galatians 1.6, for those of you that are looking up, I, I thought about this this morning. How many of you does this make sense to? See if, if you know what I'm talking about. General power electric. Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians. I have no idea why I still remember that. I learned that sometime way, way back. Trying to find Galatians, Philippians, or Ephesians. It's general power electric. Go figure. Why that's still stuck in my mind, I have no idea. Like a lot of other things stuck in my mind. Galatians 1, 6 and 7. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some, of, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now let me give you some background here. Uh, Paul wrote this. Paul was a first century, basically, church planner. He traveled around the Mediterranean area uh, planting churches. He'd go into an area, tell people about Christ, and about the love of Christ. Uh, people would, would accept Christ as their Savior. Uh, he'd get a group together. He'd start a church. He'd build it up. He'd put leaders in place. He'd take off. Now, Galatia is what is, it was a province. It wasn't necessarily a city. It was a province. That's uh, where modern-day Turkey is now. Um, and he would travel around, get these churches started, get the leaders in place, get it going, move off, let's crank up another one. Went all through the Mediterranean area on, on several several missionary journey type deals, okay? So he'd gone into Galatia, set up a church, got things going, things were cranking up pretty good. Matter of fact, it was a great church, and he cuts out, goes someplace else. But almost as soon as he took off, here came another group right in behind him. They were basically just waiting for him to leave. They were called Judaizers. The Judaizers were people who were very strong in Jewish tradition and law and, and customs, and, and they wanted to keep the Jewish laws in place. Now, they were really trying to get the both, best of both worlds. Uh, they were trying to build up a following. Uh, they weren't Jewish, so they weren't getting the persecution that a lot of the Jews were getting. Uh, you know, they weren't saying that Christ was, you know, was, wasn't for real. They were saying he's for real, but they wanted to, to keep some of the Jewish laws. Well, the Judaizers came in and right behind Paul and, and, you know, they're telling the church of Galatia, now look, you know, Paul, he's, he's a good guy. He really is. But, and, you know, the whole Jesus thing, that's awesome and go for that. But, you know, Paul, he's got it just a little wrong, Okay. Just a little bit more, and you'll be you'll be okay. You know, if it was in the South today, you know, it would have been a bless your heart moment. You know, Paul bless his heart. <laughs> you know, he means good. You know, he's trying hard, bless him. But he's, you know, you just need to do this. So what the Judaizers come in and say, well, you know, the Jesus thing, that's that's cool, that's cool. But really, really, guys, man, man, if you really want to be right with God. You know, you just need to get circumcised. Now, needless to say, that caused a little bit of problem in the church of Galatia. I'm going over the, you know the E-Trade commercials with the baby? You know the one where he's talking with the guy that's doing his retirement plan and he's buying all the lottery tickets? You know, it says something about the same chance of being eaten by a polar bear and a brown bear in the same day. And the guy doesn't win anything. And the little baby goes, oh, wait for it. Here's my shocked face. You know. 
that's what I think of when it caused confusion in the church of Galatia. Yeah, um, yeah. let's face it, it's a shock face moment. If guys, really, for real, have a hard, time, hard enough time, man, getting some of you to get baptized. If I'm standing up here today and going, okay, look, baptism is good, but you got one more step. After the service, come on up front, get your free circumcisions here, we're good to go. I mean, that last song starts and you're going to shoot out of here like a rocket. <laughs> but the thing about Galatians, they bought it. Some of them went, oh, okay. And others are going, no, that's not what he said. And uh, caused a lot of problems. A great example of toxic religion. A great example of taking what Christ says and going, bless him. Bless his heart. He means good. But you know, we really need to do this too. That's okay, but this will really make God happy. And we start adding and turning and twisting and poisoning. Earlier in the series, Bobby talked about the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were all about the show. I mean, they were all about the show. Uh, They had to be bigger, better, more seen. In Matthew, Christ takes them to task. He chews rear end. I mean, he chews them up one side and, and down the other and spits them out. And he talks about how, you know, you try to, you're, you're so busy trying to be clean on the outside and look good while on the inside you're doing nothing. And it's, you know, your greed and your self-indulgence is, is still just festering on the inside. But you put on this big show. You have to be bigger and better than the guy before you. Close, close friend of mine, one of the most humble men that, that I've ever ever been around. Uh, not too long after I had met him, uh, we were at a restaurant eating, and, and uh, we were going to say grace, and he was going to say grace. And uh, so he, he bowed his head and he went, Father, thank you. Amen. I looked at him and not trying to be smart, Alec. Well, maybe a little, but dude, that's it? That's all you got? Without missing a beat, he said, I'm sorry, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Okay, fair, yeah, yeah. Really? Now stay with me right here, okay? Because here's the part that worries me about today's message. Much like the whole series, it's a great opportunity for Satan to jump in with both feet, cause a ton of confusion, twist what's being said, have a Judaizer moment where we walk out the door going, uh, I don't know. Be real careful here, okay? I am not saying, not saying that big churches are bad. 
I'm not saying that if you're a big church, you're full of Pharisees because you have to be bigger and better. I'm not saying that our church, any church, is supposed to stay small and exclusive. Don't let anyone else in. Or we're on our own little group. You know, we're, we're better off this way. We don't get all those others coming in. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it isn't about the numbers. You got that? It, I'm not saying that. <laughs> this past week, ran into a, uh, a local pastor that I know uh, while I was eating lunch. And he was asking about the ridge, very genuinely concerned, and, you know, a great guy. And he asked me what our, what our plans were. And so, you know, I'm telling him that, you know, we got some, you know, trying to get our, our 3G groups up and going and youth ministry is up and going and, and I'm, I'm getting, and, and he stopped me. Uh, and, and apparently I, I wasn't answering his question and I was confused and I guess he saw that and he said, no, no, do y'all plan on being a, a big church or a little church? And I told him what came to mind. What came to mind was we just plan on being a church that makes a difference. Whether we're a big church that does that or a little church that does that, that's up to the Holy Spirit. There are small churches that have made a huge impact on the world. Uh, Henry Blackaby, a a pastor, famous Christian author, uh, for a long time was part of a small church, I think, was in Canada? Is that where I had like 50 people in it or something like that, no more than 100 people, have probably sent out more missionaries into the world than any other church that I've heard of. Huge impact for the kingdom of God coming from a small body of believers. But there are huge megachurches that turn the world upside down for Christ. But there are small, big mega and all in between churches who do nothing except play modern day Pharisee and Sunday morning country club. If it wasn't about the numbers, then I need somebody to explain to me because I would obviously misunderstand the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, Matthew 28, uh, Jesus said, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Last time I checked, all is a really big number. All isn't... Everybody you like. All isn't just your family and friends. All is all. It's a big stinking number and a lot of people. It is about the numbers. But again, make sure you understand me here though. It's not just about the numbers. Because if we take a look at Matthew again, his disciples are sitting around and they're going... I'm sorry, Christ gets questioned and goes, so what's the biggest commandment? We've got ten of them. We've got the top ten, Jesus? Which one's number one? Which one's number one on your countdown here? 
In Matthew 22 it says, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's not just about the numbers. Is it about the numbers? Yes. It's not a. It's not an either or. It's an and. We are called to try to bring as many people into a relationship with Christ as we possibly can. Here, there, everywhere. Anywhere we can reach, we're called to do it. Uh, there was a church that <clears throat> that knew of for a while. I, I want to say they have changed a lot of this, but early on in, the, in their existence, their philosophy was they were big on evangelism. And that's awesome. That's bringing people to Christ, right? But they almost had the mindset of our job is evangelism. Our job is to get them to Christ. After that, not our concern. We're focusing on getting them there. Well, since then, I think they've taken some big steps to go beyond that. Our job isn't just simply to bring somebody to Christ and say, "Hmm, great, now you've met them, you're on your own, see you. We're supposed to love them. To love others like Christ loved us. Loves us, not past tense, present tense, loves us. We're supposed to love them as much as I love myself. And sometimes we fail on that. Not a good thing. Toxic religion says, look at me. Look at us. Look at Ridge Church. That's toxic religion. Look what I've done. Look what we've done. Toxic religion says, we want to build our kingdom. We want to have the biggest church in town so we can have more, more people Uh, more programs, more things, more buildings, more attention, so everybody will look at us. That's toxic religion. Toxic religion says the Bible's good, but you know, these parts are better, and so these are the parts we're going to go by, and we're we're not going to worry about this part. We're going to leave that part out. Toxic religion says we can do all this on our own, and if we get stuck, you know, then we'll call on God. But, you know, we're doing God's work, but he, he's given, we don't really need God to do it. We know what he wants us to do, so we'll just go ahead and do it, and you know, we'll, we'll get back to him if we, we run into a, a roadblock somewhere. Toxic religion says, you know, we're humble. We're humble. We, we welcome everybody, everybody. But when we come in, and I come in, and, you know, oh, look, somebody's in my seat. Hmm. Why would they sit there? That's my seat. Well, but I'm humble. I'm welcome. I'll let them sit there. I'm so nice. I would sit next to them, but they look a little different. They kind of smell. So I'm so humble and nice and so welcome. I'll just go on over here and sit. I'll I'll let them have my seat today. I'll get here early next week, but I'll let them have my seat today. That's toxic religion. But make sure you understand this, Rich Church. If you're religious or if you're not religious. If you've got a lot of money, no money. If you've got the right labels, wrong labels, or no labels. If you're highly educated or uneducated, you're welcome at the rich. Any day and every day. If you wear a suit and a tie, 
address, or if you wear shorts in January, flip-flops, jeans, and t-shirts, you're welcome at the Ridge. Whether you've got it together or your life is a wreck, whether you've got money or whether you're flat broke, you're welcome here at the Ridge. Why? Because we love you. Oh, no, come on, Rusty. I mean, that's, you know, let's face it. Love is, we love you is a phrase that gets thrown around a whole, whole lot at churches. And it's easy to say. question is, do you back it up? Toxic religion is we say it. Let us help you find another church that might be better fit for you. Because you don't quite fit in here. No. No. Why do we say we love you? Because we do. Why do we? Because Christ loved us. And he loves us, and we know he loves you, and we're pumped about that, and we want you to be pumped about that. It's something to be pumped about. It's not just some empty words to throw out there. It's something to be excited about. Well, if that's the case, though, then how come so many non-Christians have this toxic effect when we start talking about Ridge Church or Christianity or Christ or anything else? It's because they look at Christians, and for as long as I can remember, we don't even get along with each other. We don't. A good friend of mine, the other day, we're together and we're talking about stuff and we're talking about our churches and he's talking about what a, their church right now is in the middle of an upheaval. They've got the youth pastor who, who came on board and he really wasn't a youth pastor. That's not the job he took, but he, they, were, they didn't have a youth pastor because people got mad and they fired the last one and now they don't have one, so he agreed to take it now. The parents who like the last one don't like this one, and the ones who didn't like the last one do like this one, and the ones that like him want to fire somebody else in the church so they can get that money and pay this guy. And and we can't figure out why people don't want to be a part of that? Oh, yeah, we love you. Come on. I mean, it's sad. Something else you need to understand about about Ridge Church. Ridge Church is for other churches. We are for other churches. As long as a church is preaching the gospel of Christ and preaching the word of God and loving Christ, we're for that church. We are not in competition you want to see competition raise its head? <laughs> Let a youth pastor try to get youth from a bunch of different churches together for a rally at their church. A neutral side is cool. But if you try to bring it to your church, then everybody, oh, you're trying to steal my youth. <sighs> no, that's toxic religion. We're not in competition with each other. We're supposed to be on the same team. Got it? The same team. If, 
If we took every church in Oak Ridge this morning and we packed them out, packed them out, we would still have more people sitting at the house than we have in churches this morning. Why do we think that we have to be in competition for another church? As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, what if I was coaching a basketball team? And I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to win the game. But my players take on the, the mindset of it's really not about winning the game. It's really about who scores the most points. And so they get into that whole mindset of I've never seen a shot I didn't like. And they're jacking up the ball every time they touch it. They're never passing the ball. Everybody wants to be the star. Everybody wants to score the most points. We get to the end of the game. We're in the locker room, and I got this one going. Man, I scored twenty, and this girl, I scored fifteen, and this girl, I scored two, and you know, and this one. It's like, guys, you know, great. You're pumped because you scored twenty, but we got beat by forty. What's wrong with this picture? And that sounds absurd if we're talking about basketball, but we do it in the church all the time. Look at us. We've got 100. Look at us. we got 50. Look at us. We've got 500. But we're losing the game as people sit at home and go to hell. As frustrating as that would be to be a coach in that situation, I can't imagine how frustrating that is to Christ. Toxic religion. I hope that Royce Baptist down the street, I hope they can't sit everybody today. I hope that their doors are busting open. And if Royce Baptist came up here today, if their pastor or somebody came up and said, look, we, we need some help here. Our church ain't going great. How can you help us out? If we didn't step in and say, we'll do whatever we can for you. What do you need? then we're toxic religion. I hope Royce busts the doors open. I hope Robertsville does Highland View, uh, Central, Ridgepoint, Faith Promise. If they're preaching the Word of God, I hope that they have an explosion and bring people to Jesus Christ. And when we look at them and we say anything other than that, then we have to stop and go, am I toxic? Please don't come to me and tell me what you didn't like about your last church. No church is perfect. We aren't perfect. You're around people. You're going to get your feelings hurt. Something's not going to go right. Been there, done that a ton of times. But I'll tell you this. At a previous church where I was wounded greatly, and I could not see it in the midst of that, when the dust settled, it was the only way God could get me to follow his will and move. God told me, it's time to go. I said, no. I'm supposed to be here for good. I'm supposed to be here for the rest of my life. This is my ministry right here. No, move. No, God, I know I'm supposed to be here. Okay. Boom. Ow. Now I think it's time to move. <sighs> Jeez, God, why didn't you just tell me? I'd have gone. 
sometimes God has to take the velvet off the hammer and get your attention. Don't tell me about how bad someplace else was. They're probably, if I went to talk to them, they're probably telling me how much better it is since you left. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that our previous church was pretty pumped that I left. <laughs> they felt a lot better. <sighs> Come on. Come on. We're on the same team here. On the same team. Toxic religion says it has to be done a certain way. If I knew that I couldn't get caught, I have to be careful since we have a police officer in here. If I knew I could do it without getting caught, there is a church sign I would probably go steal. (laughs) Maybe. It reads something like this. The old way is the only way. What? What? Now, I've never been to the church. I I can stand here and I have to be careful because I've never been to that church. I really want to go to them and say, have you got air conditioning? Because I don't think Jesus had air conditioning. You got indoor plumbing? I don't think he had indoor plumbing. Just how old are we talking here? But the truth of the matter is, if they're preaching the Bible and they come today, I've got to be for them. Now I look at their sign and I go, that, that screams toxic religion. But if they're still trying to bring people to Christ, the truth of the matter is, there's a certain group of people that they will lead to Christ that will never stand there and listen to me. They will never sit there and listen to me. They will walk in this door, see the drums, guitar turn around, and bolt. Can I really say they're wrong? It doesn't matter if we have topical sermons or we have expository verse-by-verse, word-by-word, break it down. It doesn't matter if, if we have a band or if we have a choir, if we rock it out or if we sing hymns, if we wear coats and ties and jackets and dresses or jeans and shorts and T-shirts. It does not matter. That is the style. That's the packaging. What's important is the message. The message. The good news. That's not a little label that we've put on it in the modern church. It's what Christ called it. It's the good news. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Christ. What is that good news? Christ came from heaven where he had. It was perfect. He had. Why leave heaven? But he did because he loved us so much. He came to earth, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life. Falsely accused, condemned, went through one of the most horrifying forms of death and torture that we have ever had and still have. Died, buried, rose from the dead three days later, came back to life for us so that we can have eternal life with Him from His mercy, His grace, His love. All we have to do is accept Him as our Savior. That's the good news. That's the message. I don't care what you wear. But please wear something. (laughs) Just want to clear that up. (sighs) You can tell I teach high school students. (laughs) (laughs) 
Christ doesn't want our religion. He wants our relationship. Uh, band, y'all can come on back up. He wants the relationship. He wants us to love him. He wants us to show others how much he loves them. And he wants us to love them. He doesn't want us just to show them, tell them about Christ loves them. He wants us to love them too. It's a little something we tend to leave out. Does Christ want to increase his kingdom? Yes. He wants everybody to have that relationship with him. Does Christ want us to love others like he loves us? Yes. Does he want us to do the things that he left in his instructions? Yes. He leaves us a set of instructions on how to have a great life, how to have happiness and joy in him. Not in other things that come and go, but in him. He tells us how to do that. And we act like it's, oh, he's just making us do that. No. No. Does Christ want us to do all this so it will please him? No. No, not because it will please him. He Pay real close attention. This is huge, guys. He wants us to do it because we love him that much. Last night, uh, my daughter Allie and I uh, went to a movie. Not a movie that was on my top ten list of movies to see. I will admit, it was not a bad flick. Not a bad flick. One for the money, was that the car? Screams chick flick. You know. Not the kind of movie I would just go, oh yeah, I think I'll go see this today. But why did I go to that movie? Did I go to the movie so that she would love me? And so that she would come home from college more? No. No. I wanted to go see that movie because I thought she would want to. I wanted to go with her to see that movie. Not because I had to, not because it was expected, not even because she asked. figured out several days ago that I wanted to go see this movie with her this one year. Because I love her and I want to see her happy. That's the way it is, the way we're supposed to be with Christ. I don't come to church on Sunday mornings so God will be happy with me. I come to church on Sunday mornings because I want to do the things I love him and I want to do the things that make him happy. I don't give money to the church because I'm supposed to or because that's what he says to do. I give the money and time and everything because that's what I want to do with my money. When you love somebody, you want to spend money on them. You want to do things with them. You want to spend time with them. You want to, to spend time doing the things that they like to do. You, you get caught up in that. It's no different with Christ. But we act like it is. We act like it's a have-to list. We act like it's a have-to world. 
Guys, it's not have to. It's get to. When you have that get to relationship with Christ, your world changes. Now it's not, well, I'm not supposed to do this. Gee, can't have any fun. Now it's, I could go do that, but I'd rather, I get to go do this. I want to feel a, I want to feel a lot better. I mean, I, this is what I want to do, not that anymore. Let's get rid of toxic religion. Let's work on our relationship with Christ. Let's make an impact for His kingdom, starting right here in Oak Ridge. Not only in Oak Ridge, but starting right here. And show people his love for us and the relationship they can have.